welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today, I have a guest who I think is very special joining me. Um, I just love listening to Thea and all of the things that she talks about and all of the content that she puts online. Um, So today, I have Thea Larson, founder of Cowgirls Over Coffee on the podcast. And I'm really excited to talk to you, Thea, about your experience growing an online business and being involved in the Western world and what you are up to lately. So I'd love to hear you tell us more about yourself and what you're up to right now. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. This is this is super fun. I always like, I love the opportunity to talk about all of these things just because I feel like you just can't get, we're trying to do this content that like performs well. I like, I want to get my point across, but I would much rather ramble on. Uh, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and just chat with you because it'll be so much fun. It was. Uh, well, let's see. I hate the whole about me situation because I feel like how, again, being concise is just not my spiritual gifting. But I will say um, I, I always go linearly and I don't know if that's even like makes me feel like the mom jeans of the Western world, but I will just go ahead <laughs> and take all the things the old fashioned way. Um, I went to college. I got my two bachelor's degree, one in marketing or excuse me, one in business and one in um, communications because at the time I was really wanting to do like public relations, but that like wasn't a thing at the University of Idaho. From there, I went to work for the New Mexico State Fair at Expo New Mexico. And that's like, I grew up, my grandparents had a ranch and I use air quotes when I say this because it was about a section of land and we had like some pulled Hereford cows and I rode horses and stuff. But the ranching that I live, the lifestyle I live today is like, it's like not even on the same spectrum, right? Like it's totally different. So I, I like, it like wasn't a hobby farm, but it was almost a hobby farm. But I grew up doing that kind of stuff, but I never did rodeo. 
I did some horse showing. I never did any of the things that, you know, you typically see in our lifestyle that women had growing up. I just didn't do a lot of that stuff. So my first real exposure to like pro rodeo was professionally when I was producing, it was an eight perf PRCA rodeo in Albuquerque. And I just really got into rodeo production and marketing and sponsorship became I was an event coordinator and then I was a sponsorship and that was like the perfect marriage of like my PR slash marketing. Like I didn't realize how cool marketing was at the time because I loved PR. And so that was my career in rodeo. Um, I was, I had a brief stint as a CEO of the United Way of Southwest New Mexico, which was really good as far as rounding my experience as an executive and leading teams and things, but the nonprofit space wasn't for me. So I ended up going back to rodeo at the Greeley Stampede as their GM for two years in 2013 until I met my husband at the Grizzly Rose in Denver during the National Western Stock Show. And from there, I was like, I went from being like 100% all career focused to becoming a ranch wife and having babies and living in the little literal middle of nowhere in Nebraska. So that is what brought me here today, um, I guess. And like, that was like hitting like a brick wall at 60 miles per hour. Cause I was so, I was so focused on my work and pretty crappy at my personal life. I'm not going to lie. Like I did not do a good job. I was like very like ultra focused person. So making that shift was really difficult for me. And that's where Cowgirls Over Coffee began as the Cowgirl Diaries or Cowgirl Style Diaries because it was like early 2014 or not early. It was late 2014, but it was early in the um, like Instagram was starting to get this influencer thing happening, like just gearing up for it. And I had been blogging since like 08 because I loved the whole... I loved the whole online thing because it definitely fed my extroverted ways, like especially when I was working for the United Way because I was I was bored, quite frankly, because it just wasn't that exciting and I didn't get to connect with a lot of people. So I started an Instagram page and we gained traction pretty quickly only because there was not a lot of people sharing. And it was at that point sharing a lot of like, oh, I found this. I like that. And it evolved into we started talking about more things. And as I evolved and I had babies and I was struggling and and working through all this and really leaning into friends that like genuine friendships I was making online, I was like, we need a community space that's like supporting women in the Western and rural lifestyle because it's so hard. Like, I think COVID really highlighted a lot of the struggles that we as ranch wives have had for a long time when all of a sudden people were home with their children, couldn't go anywhere. Like that's the reality of like life a lot of times when you are rural. And even if you're not that rural on a ranch, like you have, like you just don't go places a lot. Like you are very tied to the things that you have happening. Like it's not a nine to five schedule. You don't get weekends for um, vacations, which you all know your whole, everyone who's listening to this knows that. But being able to bring that so that we could, I, I suffered and I saw my friends, like my friends suffering from not having a connection with other women to talk about these things. And everybody thought they were the only ones like, like I was like, this is my season of incompetence. I was like, why can I not, like, I am a smart woman. I have done all these things. And yet this is just like, this is just killing me. Like, I just can't like my energy. I was always the kind of person who could do like 12 or 15 things for everybody's like two to five things. And so I had I had a very high opinion of my my competence and my productivity. And all of a sudden that was like in the trash, like completely, because you just you can't even understand how it works until you're in it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I make cowgirls over coffee in a nutshell. I needed to 
be able to talk to people in a nutshell. (laughs) And that's a lot of where my podcast came from as well, is that similar feeling of like craving those connections and talking about the things that we're experiencing that we assume everyone else is just, you know, acing because we're not talking to them about it and we're the only ones. Um, I love what you said there about some of your history um, in ranching and how it's so diverse. Like, and I think we sometimes can get into this lane where we're trying to exclude ourselves from different kinds of titles in ranching because we're like, well, it wasn't, you know, that special or it wasn't as big as some people are doing or I wasn't out there every day. And it's like we're only 2% of the population, less than. Um, If you want to get into the nitty gritty niches of all of these different kinds of ranching, then we would be putting ourselves in such a small box. And so I think it's so interesting, though, that you bring it up that way, because I do the exact same thing. I'm like, well, we did it, but it wasn't, you know, it was just small and (laughs) an experience most people never have. Exactly. And it's, it's so funny because I think a lot of that comes from that need, which I'm so not here for, but I think we all fall victim to it is like that disclaimer, like Mm -hmm. that whole, um, I don't know how, like how cowgirl are you or are you a rancher or are you a farmer? And it's like, I think everyone is a little gun shy and they just want to be like, I honestly like, I think this comes from the conversation of like authenticity around social media. And I don't think, yes, there are people, I will admit, I tend to be the person that is always shocked by things. I'm always like, no, that's not happening. Like I'm very Pollyanna in that way. It's just who I am as a human. But I really don't believe most people are out there trying to misrepresent themselves. I think people are like sharing their best things, which is not new to social media. That is like human nature, like from back when our great grandparents were in coffee shops, right? Yeah. And I think we have this like authenticity trauma around being like, I want to be very clear about like what my actual experience is. And I'm not trying to say I'm someone who I'm not. So I like that you say that because that really does bring it home when you're like, hey, it's 2% of the population. Like, let's just be a little kinder. And of course, there's probably that one girl out there who's like, probably never swung a leg over a horse, never seen a cow. And she's probably lying through her teeth, but you know, bless her heart and just let her go and do her thing. And like, maybe we could all just be kinder to ourselves and one another. That's such a good, I love that you said that you brought that up. Well, I think it's so true. And like you said, the disclaimer there, we all, the, the topic or the title of cowgirl or cowboy, I think is one that we just put so much prestige and esteem to that we almost feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy of calling myself that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've talked about that in Cowgirls Ever Coffee. I think I've talked about it with somebody else on the podcast before, but it's just, it's it's like we always aspire to those ideals, but actually representing ourselves that way seems a little bit like, oh my gosh, can I really call myself that? <laughs> Right. I think we just, and I think it comes from a place of, again, the majority of people truly caring, like truly caring, especially in this, this lifestyle of agriculture, whether that be farming or rancher, like everyone very cares very deeply about how it is presented. And because of that, I think we just, we over communicate sometimes. And I know I'm like a chronic over communicator anyway. So I feel like it's such a good thing. Like if we could get a place where we were just a little bit more, like you said, it's 2%, like 
take a little pride in it. Yeah. Um, well, and then the other piece I wanted to talk about that you mentioned in kind of your rundown of how you got to where you are um, is that, that brick wall that you hit when you became a mom. Um, I felt very similarly that I had always dreamed of being a mom. I always thought that was going to be part of my story and part of my life. But in actual practice, I never pictured what that would look like on a day-to-day basis and how it would affect my goals and how I spent my time. Um, and so hitting that wall, it, it is like a brick wall that you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What was yeah, that like for you? Oh, well, in true Thea fashion too, I couldn't just make one life change. I had to make like all of the life changes at once, which was move and quit my job and get married and have kids. But um, I also, I think I have a unique perspective because I was coming from a place where I was so entrenched in like my, everyone says they had a corporate job, but I did have an executive level job and I loved my work and I love working, especially working in events. It was, it very much fed into my ADHD nature of like just doing so many things and problem solving and all that. And so I didn't really plan on like being a mom. I always wanted a family, like family was always super important to me because I came from a very tiny family, like mom, dad, me, and my sister, like, and we didn't have, we had like one first cousin. Um, So I always wanted a family, but I never thought ahead about being a mom or, you know, having my own children. I always joked that I was like, I I wasn't going to have time for that. So I was going to like do the surrogacy thing. That way I didn't have to like... um, but like coming from that mindset and I was very much, I had the mindset that I wasn't going to let being a mom define me. I wasn't all of these things. And the minute I became a mom, it was like, I flipped a 180 on that. And like, so I'm like, of all the people who was going to be like, our kids are going to fit into our lifestyle. And there, I was like, all of a sudden I just felt this tremendous responsibility around being the heart of our family. Mm-hmm. I still had my dreams and I still wanted to do both. Um, but so I had like the exact opposite experience, but I really did think that my capacity, I knew it would be diminished. Like I, but I looked at it very pre- like taking on another project, like another work project. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to be tired. Like I knew all the facts, but I think unfortunately I just, and I've talked to other friends about this. Like you can't really tell someone it's what it's like. Like it's trying to explain like the color blue to someone who's blind. Like until you see it and experience it, it's really, there's just gaps that are left out of it. And so for me, oh my gosh, my, my shortcomings are what killed me. Um, because I just didn't see that coming. Like I, I anticipated the challenges, a lot of the challenges and things I anticipated, but like the, it changes who you are, like, and it does like on a cellular level change you. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, how tired I was. And then we had, um, Oliver was not a great sleeper. He, I was exclusively, exclusively. And I say that with, um, quotation marks too, because we had to fill in with some formula or like, I started working one day a week at the sale barn. Cause I was like, I did that for my mental health. Cause I was like, I need to get out and see people. But, um, he would eat every 30 minutes to two hours around the clock. And so that was the same with sleep. So the lack of sleep and like, I couldn't form a coherent thought. And I just remember, I literally remember laying on the floor one day, just crying and bless Jesse's heart. He was like, what do you need? And I was like, I, I can't even tell you like, and I think that we put that on moms a lot too, which I think is kind of a load of crap. Like, oh, all these memes, like, oh, ask for help. 
Well, first, I didn't even know what help I needed because like of understanding like what I could do, like logistically, I was okay. Like the laundry was getting the done and the meals were, but like, like spiritually and emotionally and like as a, as a little human Thea, like I needed help there, but I didn't know who could do that for me, you know? And I think that's the hardest part is like the help you need isn't something that is like a to-do list or logistical. Like looking back on it, I needed someone who to just like come sit next to me and like just spend some time, like not do a dang thing. And I, I that was my personal experience. I'm sure other people would uh, it could use other logistical support, but like, I just needed, I just felt so alone. Um, so that was the hitting the brick wall for me is I like, I couldn't do anything. I, I just felt like there was nothing I could do. And like even answering messages or emails and things, I had done some consulting. Once I moved out to the ranch, I was doing some sponsorship and marketing consulting for a few different clients, just one off. Mm-hmm. I knew I wouldn't be able to travel very much once I had the baby. So I kind of weaned off of that. And that's when I started like just doing some more social media stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, this is a fun way to be creative and have something. And I mean, I couldn't answer emails on time and I couldn't do like, it was just bananas. And I, now I, that is why cowgirls over coffee, like the, so we think we can like figure out a solution to that. And you can't like, you just have to work through it one piece at a time. And, um, yeah. I don't have the whole answer for sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing your experience around that because it is so different for everyone. You know, we all need different support at that time. I think some things you said felt very true for me as well, where I felt like it was almost like an identity crisis. When I had kids, it was like all of my identity before that had been rooted in productivity and what can I accomplish? And you know, getting things done, being the workhorse. And then when I had kids, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't even care about that. I mean, I do, but suddenly there's this little baby that is- Just takes priority. Yes. It's it's like, you don't get a choice about it. Right. You don't get a choice and you don't, yeah, it just, it just happens. Like you said, you can't explain how it shifts, but, but yeah, then you suddenly like realize- Yes, you have all these things you're still being productive and achieving for the care of this little baby, but it's completely different from all the things that you did before. Yeah, it was. And I think that's the thing is, too, is it's like I would imagine it's kind of like you were a fish in the ocean your whole life and then, you know, you crawled up on the shore and now you have to figure out how to like breathe there and walk around like you're still the same person, but you're not the same person and no one can really you just kind of have to figure it out on your own. And I think, I think there's an added layer in the agricultural community and for women, because especially if we were involved in our operations, whether that was involved in operations, like just like keeping track of paperwork and making phone calls, like that can become almost impossible, which you don't, you don't, me before I had kids would have been like, um, whatever, just put the kid down for a nap. Like the people who work through nap times, I guess we didn't have very good nap times. My kids also, I could never put either of them in those fancy seats. Like there was no, like, and they're still very needy, which I'm fine with. Like I'm very needy too, probably. (laughs) But we feel like we need to be contributing to the operation. Like, and there's just, we feel like we're letting people down and no one is I mean, I'm sure there are some. I shouldn't say no one. I hate absolutes. I apologize because I know absolutes are not true. So everything I say in absolute, just assume like I know there's a bell curve and there's outliers there. That's a good but, 
we are putting those pressures on ourselves. Like, when am I going to get horseback? How can I help? Like everyone's moving cattle and like, you know, we're, we're trying to like cook a meal or something and all of that can be tremendously hard. And I think just that there's a personal shame and there's also an external shame, like from, and usually it's from other women um, that haven't been where you're at yet. And I just think that's something that makes it like an extra, we make it harder on ourselves because instead of taking the time we need and being present and taking a breath and figuring it out, we're just scrambling, trying to keep up with our expectations and their expectations. And I, my heart hurts for women in our lifestyle because of that. And that was something I didn't even realize I would be that. I mean, outside of my own professional goals or my own personal objectives, like that was really hard for me. Yeah, it's hard again, when you haven't been there to understand what it's like, but it goes back to that grace. And I think I'm really glad to see more people talking about their experiences in motherhood online or just in person or in communities, wherever, because the number of conversations I heard as a young woman before I got married and got pregnant were basically zero. You know, there's the jokes of you don't, you won't get sleep, you won't, but you just... For one, you don't care because you're not there yet. But for two, it was just, I feel like there was a time there where people just didn't talk about it. It wasn't something that we prepared women for. And I feel like now at least there's at least resources and things out there that you can. Yes. Until. 100%. Hey, it's Lexi here. And I'm interrupting the show to tell you about a new option we have for marketing support for you. I've met so many people the past six months who are looking for DIY marketing support. And while I primarily offer marketing packages and website design in my marketing business, I'm excited to have something just for you DIYers too. So I know you need answers quickly to help you overcome tech challenges and get feedback on your marketing content when you have a spare minute to work on it. And you want to keep growing and learning how to make your marketing work in a way that makes sense for you. Here's what I've got for you. First, you can sign up for a free marketing toolkit, which includes social media post templates, email marketing outlines, video ideas, and a content planner and tracker. And to get tutorials and answers to those pressing questions, sign up for our weekly marketing tutorials for just $10 a month, where we tackle your most frustrating challenges together. Or sign up for the marketing support line, where you get direct access via text message to ask all of your tech support and marketing advice questions. It's like having a marketing and tech support person in your back pocket. We solve website issues, social media challenges, and just give feedback on the content you're creating. You can find those options at LexiWrightConsulting.com slash social under marketing support. Well, um, kind of diving back into where we were, I think that we talked about how like not all the problems are solvable. It's not always something that you can just fix or figure out if, if as much as you concentrate on it and try to massage the equation, it's like, it's just may never be exactly like you want it to be or fixed. Um, but what are some of the things that you're doing to kind of bring some of that intention back into your life? And some of the things that you talk about is what I think really inspire women in the cowgirls over coffee group of you know, it may not be fixable, but here's the things that we can try. Um, I, and I think like 
We have to, I think it starts with everything is so cyclical, right? Because we do think like I have a problem and I need to find the answer. And it's even especially with a lot of the women that are in cowgirls over coffee like these are like high achieving women they expect you know and they're willing to do the work like there's always the problem with there's like always going to be a group of people that just aren't willing to do the work which I mean, that's an easy thing to identify and be like well i mean you make a choice right but with so many of the women wolf with all of the women in cowgirls over coffee i feel like they're willing to do the work but we feel like okay i need to identify my problem i need to learn the thing that i'm missing and i need to execute and you know i'm going to fix that problem and it's going to be done and what i'm just because that's how i <laughs> approach everything and what i've discovered is like there's not a quote-unquote fix and it's this moving shifting into this state of understanding that you have to stay in process and that what's a fix now may not be the same fix in six months or three years or whatever. And we have to, we talk a lot about in Cowgirls of a Coffee because what I learned was the first thing I had to do was like really be a good steward of myself and my environment and always be assessing like, I kind of think it like that you're always getting these data points coming in, you know, and when you start to feel like you're overwhelmed or you're burning out or you're falling behind, taking the judgment out of that and like just seeing that as like an engine light coming on and being like, oh, it's time to reassess the things because obviously the process that is behind this whether it's a specific process or a lack of process, that's what's not working. It's not because you're dumb or you can't figure things out or you're incompetent or you're lazy. That's just generally nine times out of 10, not the problem. And when we can assess things and pull the judgment out of it and be like, okay, so where did the wheel start to come off? What is doing this? Okay, what can I tweak? And if we approach our days and as, as a, an experiment like that, and we just quit being so hard on ourselves. Like I used to, I used to talk with a friend and I used to really think that like my self-criticism gave me an edge. Like I was like, no one could find my faults or my shortcomings or things quicker than I could, right? Because I was like, if I am so hard on myself that I'm constantly like putting myself against that grindstone, right? Like that's going to protect me in some or some sort of way and keep me, you know, on track for whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that's just the kind of the opposite of true. Like you have to be able to look at things, it just being completely, um, not non-judgmental, completely objective and being like, okay, I could have done this differently, but the circumstance. And I think it's just that holistic circle because it comes back to, cause I've been working on all of this stuff for Cowgirls Over Coffee and these programs. And it started with me and a notebook cause I am I have to either talk or write in order to process things for myself, um, preferably talking just because I'm an extroverted extrovert who loves to like get feedback from people. But when I started writing things down, I was like, okay, like where is the disconnect happening? And a lot of times there's different things that go around this circle because we're always in a cycle. And I think if we can accept that we're always in a cycle, like, and for me, because of my background, I always think of business cycles. Like, and I don't get flapped by, you know, recession talk or like when cattle prices were like three bucks in 2015 and then they were like 
totally hit the bottom a couple of years ago and now they're back up and I'm like, remember 2015. Yeah. So like that's, you know what I mean? Like we just cannot panic about this. And also I'm not well-versed in all the cattle market. There's my disclosure. So I don't know everything that's going on, but that's the way I think of it, of business cycle. I'm like, we have to just really be good stewards of our process because we have no control over these cycles of things going up and down, whether it's the market, whether it's the demands of our children, whether it's the demands around family operations, like we have no influence over that. Like you cannot influence that. And so you have to really focus on what you have influence over and that is yourself. And I think sometimes in the agricultural industry and just in our general lifestyle, there is this sort of mindset around focusing on yourself equates to being selfish and I, I totally understand that, but like you have to manage yourself first. Like you have to manage your time, your energy, your attention. You have to know what's triggering you, what doesn't trigger you, because once you become an excellent manager of yourself and how you operate, then you can be a high performer in motherhood, in homemaking, in your business, in supporting your family operation or your husband and his, if he's taking the lead on the operation. And I think sometimes that's where a disconnect can happen because you have got to be constantly asking yourself, like, did I not get enough sleep? Do I need to, do I need to take a break and like get some quiet time in? Cause it's super easy to get overstimulated when you're in a house full of kids all day. Um, and so from there, I feel like we have to be looking at the circle that's always going around. So am I setting the right goals? Because I think sometimes we don't set the right goals. And then did I have right expectations around how quickly some of these things could come to be? Did I have the correct order of operations, A, B, C? And when we start just looking at those things and tweaking those things, then we get things humming along again. And we have to know that it's not going to be like, like we didn't fix the problem. We adjusted so that we can feel the way we want to feel every single day, like on the daily. Like it's not about the outcome. It's about the process itself. I'm not sure if that answered your question. Like that's why it's so hard when people ask like, oh, what are you doing? Cowgirls or coffee? And I'm like, come over here and sit down and I will try and ramble for 45 minutes and explain it. No, I, I think that's really helpful. It, it's really about focusing on, like you said, the things that you can do to make yourself feel the way that you want to feel throughout your day, knowing that some of these things are not going to change. Like they are part of your life and there's nothing we can do about it, whether it's the cattle markets and how they fluctuate or it's, you know, what your role is on the operation in this season of your life and that kind of stuff. Like that's not necessarily something that we can just snap our fingers and figure out here's the answer. This is how it's going to be different. It's something we have to figure out like every day and then it's going to change when the season changes. Yes. And I think that like, so that's like conceptually and I don't mean to be like, that's when people are like, give me an answer and someone doesn't give you an answer, which I feel like I just did. But I will say the things that I did to support myself is like uh, release the idea that you shouldn't plan because it's not going to go according to plan. And that is like, I see that both as on a producer level as like what we're messing up in our businesses, like with our day-to-day operations, as well as our personal lives, like make the plan first because you pregame it. You're going to pivot so much faster. You're going to reduce the resistance. So make a plan and 
that was the number one thing that I think was the biggest thing because I always was just winging it because I was someone who was, I'm naturally very resourceful and a great problem solver. But because of that, I got away with a lot of crap I shouldn't have been getting away with. And I equate that to like, if you have a very athletic horse, like they can get away with a lot of crap until you're in a situation where you're like, okay, your collection is not off. So you're not stopping correctly, right? Because you didn't take the time at the beginning to learn how to correctly collect. And that was who I was. Like, I never took the time to properly support myself in a way where I was like, not just like one one minute to the next i literally like was like a little baby deer living one minute to the next like gleefully um and sometimes not gleefully too like anxiety was like through the roof and that was the other thing that came for me with having the kids was the postpartum anxiety which i didn't expect and in order to manage your anxiety having a plan and understanding things is like the best salve so i would say having a plan and then also um we talked about in Cowgirls Over Coffee, but like always this, like, I guess I would say always being prepared, but like stocking up on things, making sure you have like what you need when you need it. And I think this came from me, like a rural lifestyle. Like I always stock the pantry. I always have batteries. I always have things, but I was coming from the scarcity, the scarcity mindset. I was like, well, should I spend money on this yet? And it's like, when the mental capacity and the peace that you get from knowing you have what you need regardless is like it's it's going to be fine and i always talk about like um the best example i have for this is like cleaning the bathrooms and it was like i felt like i had to plan to clean the bathroom and then when would i clean the bathroom and then i was thinking about how often i was going to clean the bathroom when was the last time i cleaned the bathroom i just put like one i put cleaner and a toilet brush and paper towels and everything all bathrooms and three bathrooms. And then if I walked in there and it was dirty, I just cleaned it right then and there. It takes like 90 seconds because we overestimate how long these things are going to take us. So that would be my second tip is just like always be prepared and like, just go ahead and choose like, these are small things. Like don't, what do they say? Like, don't step over, uh, dollar pennies for dollars or whatever that is like mm-hmm. it's totally fine like make sure you have what you need and you can help yourself so that you're not like just operating from this place of ambient stress yes would be two things i think and i love how you tied that back to producers too because i do feel like in our businesses a lot of them ag related but ag related or not we are kind of especially right now where there's so much just dis- trust and unrest in all of the media and the news and everybody's like, oh, you need to be worried about things. And that's causing a lot of people to not plan because they're like, well, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. So I'm just going to wait till it happens and then respond. And I think we see so much of that in the generation that is starting to transition out of agriculture now because they had a wild ride. I mean, thinking about from the 50s, 60s, whenever they started farming to now, if they're getting out of it, like, how could they plan? How, they didn't have the, the resources, the community, a lot of the things that they may have needed. And then now we have these millennials or younger producers who are coming in and we're like, this is a business and it has to support my family. So we need a plan. Um <laughs> I think what you said, like, this is a business because like the weird thing, and I assume this applies to like other family businesses, like if you had a furniture store or something, but in agriculture, like it's 
it is like a hybrid of a lifestyle and a business. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's such a hard, that's such a hard balance to strike, you know, between the two. It's perfect. It's why we do it, right? Like that's why we all continue to hit our head against the wall. But the planning thing is just like, because you can plan for different scenarios. And when you have, I also think it's like information gathering. And I think that sometimes is a bias that we have like to protect ourselves. Like if we don't um, look at everything that could happen and understand everything that's going around, like we just don't want to think about it. Like it's kind of like this ostrich syndrome where we just don't want to look at it until we have to look at it. But if you can, again, like it's a practice of removing the the judgment out of it. Like if this happens, it's not going to be the end of the world. We're going to be fine. You know, whatever that is going to be. So I feel like that's the other the other side of it is just like building out from that mm-hmm. well some a couple of questions that kind of come out of that is one it's about preparing and like doing those things that we can to take the the whatever it is off of our mind to be prepared and have the things that you need so what are some of the systems that we can put in place to make sure we have that and to manage that because sometimes that's a lot to manage you know if you're you need to have all of your supplies to go tag cattle this fall and have those where they need to be, but make sure that they're not like, you know, tucked in some random back closet or something. What are some of the systems um, that, that have worked for you guys to have in place? Um, I think over communication is probably the biggest thing. And um, I always think there was, I read, what book was it? It was like When by Daniel Pink. And they talk about how in a surgery, like they have actual punch cards where they bring up a laminated punch card and they look at this and they also communicate like, I have done X or I am, you know, they verbally communicate, I am leaving, I'm handing this over to you. And the other person has to verbally communicate, I am, I am taking this, this is going to be, because it's a best practice, right? Like when it's a life or death situation, like we're going to have a checklist every single time, even if you've been a surgeon for 25 years and you've done a thousand appendectomies, like your whole team is like working off of this. I don't know if that's true because I'm not a doctor, but that was what I read about how this all works. And it made really good sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so I am such a fan. I'm always, I was always talking about like, if we know, um, during hanging season, like what are the parts that technically like usually break down? Do we have those on hand? Because for us, like a lot of those things can be returned if they're unopened. So you're better off stocking up on it because I think we tend to be very reactionary and we don't think about like, I'm always thinking about utility and economies of scale because that was my education. So I'm like, yes, but if you have to stop what you're doing and you, you know, like, and you have X number hours, that you would have just got, been able to go back and get a part and fix it. But now you can't do it for that day or someone has to go get a part and it's adding, because I mean, we're through, it's a three hour round trip at a minimum to go get something from town. And thinking about that, instead of just thinking, like, I feel like we are very reactionary, like our natural state. And that's true in ranching as a production, but also like life, like as humans, we'd rather be reactionary because our brains just see that as the easiest thing to do, right? Like we just want to do what we always do because that seems like it's conserving energy. But thinking ahead and like one of the things that I started doing for myself that's 
saved me so much stress. And I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out, but like always looking three months ahead. And like now I always like order Halloween costumes. I plan um, Thanksgiving menus. I order Christmas presents like so early because then it's off my plate and it gives me so much peace. And I see that the same thing that we can do for productions. Like, like if we're going to do an AI protocol and we know when the day is that we want an AI, we need to reverse engineer back to when do we need to do the first shot or feed or whatever that we're doing. And I think that's something that a lot of people are just like, it's like comes May. And you know, like last time in April or February that you had to do something or whatever. So I think just like tracking and looking ahead and creating a system in your in place for you where you can do that is it will save you so much stress and and so much honestly um the over communication piece of that it will save you so much like relationship stress and arguing and confrontation which i know that i feel like in our lifestyle people are like very against any sort of um confrontation which confrontation does not have to be conflict i just want to like that is one of my my mantras is like having a confrontational discussion it doesn't have to be negative it doesn't have to be an argument it can just be like an information seeking and affirming conversation as long as we everybody keeps their cool right yes exactly yeah that's um that's really helpful and then like with the looking three months ahead and kind of keeping so that's like a a planning tool of keeping track of what you're doing in your operation because you know like from a high level sense like oh harvest season is coming or we're getting ready to do x y and z but like actually putting it on the calendar of like this is when we're starting i need to have this taken care of ahead of time and then like you mentioned with planning thanksgiving and halloween then you actually get to enjoy it when it gets there instead of being stressed about not having what you needed yeah absolutely and i like for I would say like the number one thing I would say for production, like for the business side of production is the over communication, mm-hmm. like put your ego to the side and maybe someone's going to tell you to do something three or four times and you know, you need to do it. But like that is, that is going to save you money and, and efficiency and time in the long run than if someone didn't feel like they could tell you and then forgot about it. Mm-hmm. So if I had my way and I was in charge of everything, it would be weekly meetings. And I think that goes back to the, well, I see that a lot. Like we can't plan because we don't know what the weather is going to do. And we don't know if, you know, it depends on if so-and-so moves their cattle into a different pasture, but like just having like a game plan is, it will save you time and money in the long run. Yeah. And I think just knowing like what's the next step when that does happen, like when you do get the information of like, okay, now we're ready to do that. Okay. What happens then? And we do a lot of the same things on an annual cyclical basis. And I think just thinking ahead, like, okay, so calving systems going to, should we, you know, make sure none of the hot boxes have been chewed through the wires by mice? Should, what do we need to double check? Do we have colostrum on hand? Do we need to throw anything out? And I think that's like assigning those duties too. like, those are great when everyone's in the hay field. Like I, I don't have a lot. I, I have next to no like ranching duties at this point. I'm definitely like, I'm basically day work. Like I, I, 
I pinch it. But like, that's something that, you know, let's make sure the bedroom's stocked. That's something I can do. Even when I had the kids, like I can go check, double check things. If you have a list that's there, like I'm such a big list person and I, not because I naturally am organized and I love lists. I mean, I do love lists, but I am not naturally that way, but because I have hurt myself so many times. Like I have tripped over that same problem so many times in my life. Having that, I just know having a list that you just have there, like stick it in a sleeve and tack it to the wall. Like it doesn't have to be pretty and make sure you have all those things and make sure someone's checking on it. So you don't have to have extra runs to town, like just lists. Yeah. All the lists. All the lists. And the over communication part of like (laughs) knowing whose responsibility is whose and when also gives the opportunity for someone if they don't like their responsibilities or they wish they were different to communicate that. Whereas when it's just like expected and you never talk about it, then nothing changes and everything Mm -hmm. is like someone might have this just, you know, resentment for their tasks that they're doing. But it's resentment is the worst. Like whatever, if you have resentment about anything, that is the A number one priority to like figure out how to relieve that resentment because that will that will tank any I mean personally professionally in your in your operation like you cannot have people getting resentful yeah yeah because it is based around family and if you have that then you're ruining much more than just the operation at that point yeah and it's no one gets to I think that's the other thing where we have this blend of it being a business and a lifestyle is like no one can go home and complain about their boss to their spouse necessarily. Wait, okay. Within reason here. Yeah. It's not like you can go and blow off steam or you have, you know, your friends outside of work that, that, you know, would never have experienced this. And you can be like, oh, I had to deal with, you know, these widgets and the widget supplier didn't come through for me. Like it, you don't have that opportunity because you're so immersed in it. Like your home life very often is your work life and it's all blended together. And so, and then it's like, it's not your coworker who screwed things up. It's like your wife or your kid or your grandma. And like, then you have these conflicting feelings of like wanting to wring the neck of someone you actually care about, like <sighs> over communication. Yes. Well, and I think that also kind of plays into like the part where you said that when you became a mom, you started working at the sale barn once a week after a while for your own mental health and to have like something else. And then Cowgirls Over Coffee and Instagram content has also kind of been that for you of like, this is your outlet. This is where you get to put all of these things that are twirling around your head out there. Um, What are some of the things as you created this community and this outlet for women that you wish that they knew or that you have discovered along the way that you want more of them to know? Oh my goodness. Um, Not a big question at all. I know, right? Like, where's my list, right? I should have been prepared. No, Um, I think the biggest, the biggest things, like we touched on like the self-knowledge and like that that is something that you need to do. I think that the things that you need to do, like the systems you need to implement, like whether you're looking at time management or, you know, meditation or routines or whatever, like they don't have to be complicated. I think that we get stuck on like what it has to look like and we write stuff off. And I'm just, I'm always like, what is the minimum viable option? 
we talked about this actually in our breakout discussion in um, just the other for September. And it was like a morning routine is like huge. Like a morning routine can set the tone for your day. But a morning routine doesn't have to be one thing or even three things. Like you can put in a deck, like write down someday, like 10 things that you would like to do in the morning. And then your routine is every morning you pull a card and you do one of those things, whether it's like stretching for 10 minutes or journaling or writing a gratitude list or reading your Bible or sending a text to a friend to support them. Like what is the least, the smallest thing that you can do to start setting the tone and doing that consistently? And so, yeah, I would say like, just like do the smallest thing instead of doing nothing or thinking you're going to get to it when you can do it right. Like, don't worry about doing it right. And I'm not a good enough is good enough person like that. I really, I cannot get on board with good enough is good enough, but you do your best until you can do better. And like, sometimes like there was a time when my best was like, I brushed my teeth, like, yay me. I didn't forget to brush my teeth. And that was like, was that my goal? No, like a full hygiene routine would actually be far better. But like setting, just doing your best, like, and your best can fluctuate. Like your, your best can fluctuate depending on what's going on, your external circumstances, and things are always going to be changing. And that's why we have to always be evaluating because we think that we'll set this system in place or we'll take a course or we'll read a book and we'll get the answer. And that's just not the case. Like you have to constantly be like... Your end goal needs to be, how can I feel good? And that is subjective, of course, but like, how can I feel good, present, purposeful right now? Mm. Because if if you're always coming back to that, the rest of the stuff will fall into place, right? Like if I'll feel good, if I know I'm making progress to my bigger goals and objectives, I'll feel good when I know that I'm doing the basic things around the house so that the the dishes are washed and meals are prepped and I, you know, feel on top of my tasks. I feel good if I'm spending enough time with my kids one-on-one to feel like I'm there for them and present. And so that makes me feel good right now. So I think when in doubt, instead of like being like, I need to set these objectives and break them down, which is I'm here for, like I am here for all of the goal breakdown, objective, all that stuff. But first you have to like feel good right now. And like, what is that going to take? And the one other thing too is like, I think we just discount like (sighs) the internet ruined a lot of like really good information because they like turned them into memes and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to share that. Like community is so freaking important. And I just feel like it's one of those things that we gloss over, but like it is your responsibility to make sure that you have curated a group of friends around you that you can use as a sounding board that you can call and say, I'm really stressed out that will give you good feedback. And I see that online sometimes and people are like, oh yeah, well, where are these women? And I'm like, okay, where are you? What do you do? Well, who was the last person that you reached out to? You know, and mm-hmm. you can't be like, everybody's bestie, but like get in, whether that's, I don't care if that's going to a Bible study. I don't care if that's joining cowgirls over coffee. You, one of the first things I did before ever did anything was, uh, with cowgirls over coffee was I reached out to some girls I saw on Instagram that I looked up to, uh, that I was like, they were makers and business owners. Like we're starting out. And I was like, do you guys want to have a mastermind? Like I'll put together a Facebook group and we could like just call and whatever. And they were like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Like, 
you you can create that around yourself, but you can't do it alone. Like the problems that you have that people have with like staying motivated or I know what I should do, but I'm not doing it. It comes back to being able to have a conversation around um, all of the things. Right. And just because you can't do something I'm going back now, just because you can't do something right or the way you want it to be done, doesn't mean you should just wait and not do anything at all. Like that's where the whole, again, the other thing I don't like is done is better than perfect because it makes me bananas when people do things and they don't do them like correctly. And then you have to go back and like undo something and redo it. But I think that's where like done is better than not done at all. Like do something, do the right. What's the smallest right thing you can do right now? Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And I love that what you said, like draw a card of um, what's one thing that you can do today, because especially with morning routine, like I think everybody wants to have a wonderful morning routine that just sets them up perfectly for the day. And it feels so good. But that's not always realistic to our environment and what's going on in our lives. So like just picking one of the things that you wish you were doing and doing it that day. And then the next day you do a different thing. I think that's really such a good idea. And we create momentum that way. Like you think like that's not going to make a big difference, but the next thing we just really overestimate how much time and, and the level of difficulty these things are to implement. And like, once you start implementing, like you pull one card, I bet you're going to probably pull another one. You know what I mean? Like, especially if it was a really short thing and I know we have all this research back stuff about what makes a good morning routine and what makes a good evening routine. And then there's other things, but I will say, because we've been talking, we did a whole 12 week, we're right in the middle of a 12 week, like emphasis on habits and routines inside of cowgirls over coffee. And the other thing we talked about was like, um, we think of daily routines and, but like you can have a routine that is something that you do every day, every month, every week, every season, every year. And you don't have to start with daily routines. Like what if just once you pick them, that's a once a year routine, like just do what's going to work for you. Like think outside of the box and be like, what is the simplest thing I can do that's going to have a positive impact and start from there? Yeah. I love, I love that so much. I love routines and habits and all of the like psychological stuff behind that. So this, it just makes me smile. Such a about it. I can go down because that is literally the gap between like, like feeling like crap and feeling like you're on top of the world. Most of that is habits and routines. Mm-hmm. So hard to do, but so worth it. Yeah. It, what do they say? Like it's simple, but it's not easy. Yes. <laughs> well, as we move into fall, which I guess we're not moving there. We're here. It's here. Um, I'm still like stuck, I think back at the beginning of August, but oh, we're here. It's fall. Um, it's a busy time. We had back to school stuff. We have harvest, we have calving, we have, you know, whatever people are, depending on your operation, it's a busy time for almost everyone. But um, what are some of the things that you think people can focus on? And I'm not trying to hint at your fall playbook at all here, but <laughs> what are some of the things that people can implement like right now during this season? Um, so you don't need the fall playbook. I will be like full disclosure. I love a good workbook, but you don't need the fall playbook to do any of these things. Um, but I think it's deciding in the fall there's two times in the year. I think there's a time in the fall and time in the spring where you have a solid 12 weeks where you can do the things that move the needle. Like those should be your big pushes. And then just like everything I've been talking about is being cyclical. 
I think you need to do the things in the fall to set yourself up to take care of everything so that you can enjoy the holiday season. Because I think the holiday season is so important for, especially for family, for restoration, like to be present because there's all, there's such an opportunity for the holiday season to add stress to your life. And so I think fall is a great time to have set your intentions and followed through and made sure the things that were important happened so that you can focus just on the holiday season and you don't have things creeping up on you. Um, So I really like I started doing things seasonally and that's that's where our the fall playbook came from and how we've adjusted our areas of focus in cowgirls over coffee. But in the fall, I say, think about some core areas of your life and you can Google like any sort of life wheel you want. And I'd say like pick pick like five areas. I think that's a good space and think about like how you want to feel like what do you what are some fall family experiences that you want to have? Like, do you want to take your kids to the pumpkin patch? And if you don't, then don't. But if you do get it on the calendar, like do it now and get prepared for that. Um, also, I I think like prioritizing something for your business, it all is the same way. Like I don't compartmentalize my life in our business. Um, I never have. I've Like I said, I was really bad at my personal life before, but I've never been someone who compartmentalized like my professional life from my personal life, which I guess was just God knew and set me up for this life in agriculture. But I think that, you know, letting those things be side to side, like think about your business, like what are three things where you want to move the needle? Like this is the needle moving time in the fall. I would say August, September, October, like those full months are, and we're in the middle of September now, like those are good needle moving times. Um, and setting your goals for that. You like I said, your family, yourself, like, what do you want to do for yourself? And that might just be, it can be so small, like pick the small objectives, look at your calendar ahead of time. Be like, what are the things that are coming up? That What are my deadlines? What are the holidays? What are the birthdays? What are the commitments I have? What do I need to order? And like set yourself up to do that stuff so that you are, you feel accomplished and you feel like you were on top of your things in the fall so that when you move into the holiday season that you can just enjoy it and not feel all frenetic about everything you're doing. Because the other thing that happens in like November 1st, like right after Halloween, all of a sudden nothing happens. Like, can we just, nothing is going to happen. Especially I feel like that's true in the Western industry because for me, it used to be the day after Thanksgiving, I was heading out to Vegas for um, International Association of Fair Exposition, PRCA convention, um, National Finals Rodeo, Cowboy Christmas. Like, so if you're in that realm too, like basically, you know, you're there from Thanksgiving and then it's Christmas and then it's New Year's. So having this expectation that of things that you can do and you're pushing, don't push them off because the external circumstances, like those people are not going you're just going to get frustrated. Like people are not going to respond to your emails. Like you just have to like set your expectations there. So that's how I would say like really utilizing this fall is to be super intentional and like really use this as the time to like check the boxes. Like I think that has to come in in bursts and uh, it needs to ebb and flow so that you can like take a breath and have some joy and some connection during the holiday season. And then you'll have your New Year's planning and then you'll have another big push in spring. And if you let yourself go like that and not have it in your head, that it needs to be the same process and the same, like even monthly, like monthly, I'm going to set five goals. And that probably works for some people. But I think that if you're pulled in different directions with competing demands, 
putting yourself on something that is a seasonal schedule of your own making, like it doesn't have to be my seasonal schedule, but understanding what works for you is going to keep you again, feeling good in the process. And like, also I used to be a huge accomplishment junkie. Like you cannot just chase those outcomes. Like you need to feel, cause then you only feel good for like 30 seconds, like twice a year. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. The planning and the seasonal aspect of it just it's it's so smart and that's why i think people need to listen to you <laughs> well, that's why i wanted you to talk about like a female thing too like if it's a woman thing but like because we're having to navigate i feel like we tend to manage those things seasonally like mm-hmm. we're managing like i feel like i'm an administrator of the seasonal operation of our family life yeah and like going back to school and and i'm fine with that i am happy to take the lead on that you know like that's that's great. And I think just letting things work for you and how they work for you. It's just really, I think it's really important in figuring out what works for you and letting go of your expectations. Like that was my number one. Like when people ask me, like, what would you tell new moms? No expectations, zero expectations for me, for yourself. None whatsoever. Yeah. Let them all go. That's fair. Because <laughs> then you can then you can figure it out, right? Like if you just like what's hurting us, I think most of the time is the expectations that we had. Yeah. It's 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 like a uh, a vicious cycle because it's like, well, you have to have goals or you're just kind of piddling around. But if you have goals that are unrealistic or are too high for what your life looks like right now, then you are expecting too much and you're going to feel terrible. So finding that medium and constantly evaluating kind of full circle here, what that looks like. Yeah. And that comes back to like the number one skill you have to have is understanding yourself and knowing yourself and always like always be experimenting and, and gaining more understanding and figuring out like what's triggering you, what's supporting you. Like if you can always come back to yourself, then you're going to be much more adept at setting the right goals on the right timeline for the right reasons, executing, because you'll be so in tune with you and how you interact with the external things. Yeah, for sure. Well, I love the self-reflection aspect of it. That's something I want to do more of in my life. And I think a lot of folks in agriculture could benefit from some of that self-reflection because it's it's the woo-woo stuff that we're kind of afraid of sometimes because it feels unnatural, but that could really help us move forward so much faster. Um, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, being such a box checker, like I used to rely so much like logistics, tactics, strategy. That's all I was. And it left a big gap, right? Because I did it was like, do you feel good doing this? And like, I liked the feeling of accomplishment, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was kind of like, it was definitely left things out of balance. And I think that on the other side, you can't just sit around and like do personal development or pray or meditate or any, like you have to, if you are a person who wants to leave a legacy, to make an impact, to help others, you're going to have to treat your personal reflection and development as part of the strategy. And then you're going to have to have a strategy and know what it is you're wanting to do. And you're going to have to like navigate moving back and forth between those things. I like that. Um, well, I wanted to ask you another question today. We're already... <laughs> 
talking lots, which I knew we would. So that's good. <laughs> sorry. Um, but you are such a talented storyteller, Thea. I love to see like just the content that you put out. You do such a good job. And I'm not like trying to kiss your butt here, but I truly love it. Uh, this the stories that you tell online. So I'm curious what stories you're excited to be telling next. Well, thank you for that, because I love telling stories and I do feel like I'm very inconsistent and haphazard on it, but I love, I do love telling stories. And what I want to do more of, especially I love content creation, like because it's just creation. I think that when we come down to it, a lot of us are creators at heart, like whatever that is going on. And for me, it, it is the storytelling. And I really want to tell I don't know. It feels weird. Like not my story, but I want to be an example of like things are changing, like you're moving through things because I've noticed so much recently that I like, I always identify like, oh, my anxiety. And I was like, I don't really think I have that much anxiety. I mean, I have anxiety around my eldest son who is on the autism spectrum and like his future, but like the general anxiety that I used to really have, like I've been able through working to release that. And then also my children are moving out of a toddler phase into a small child stage, which again, that has been affected by, you know, Oliver, he's on a longer curve there. We are growing our horse business. My husband and I, we, I don't know what, it's definitely a different approach to horses, but we're growing that in our ranching and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited to tell the story about how you can change, like, and how you can embrace each thing as you go along the way. And um, like, you're not always gonna have the same problem. And also like what you thought you fixed, um, like some fixes for me that I thought, oh, okay, I fixed this because, and then that stops working and then you have to find the new fix. And, um, I want to share about that because like one of the things that I had, uh, what was it? I just thought about this the other day. Um, but I was like, over the over communicating thing. And like, I don't have to over communicate so much anymore because I feel more like I have done the communicating. So now like the over communicating is like, I can figure out like the little stop gaps, like it's not as much. And so like we can change and shift our strategies as we go. So I'm hoping to share how I'm navigating that more. I like that. It's not a constant. It's not a, it's, a, it's always in flux. Which we know, like we know that. And again, I think there's so many things that we know, but until we experience it, like we can't put into words. And so I would like to tell that story like in real time to kind of give a better example of like someone who's coming up behind that. Like, and then also looking forward, like 20 year old me would not, 20 year old me would have rolled her eyes at today me. Oh my gosh, so hard. <laughs> and it, you're right though, we do know it, but when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to remember. It's so hard to see the other side. Yeah. Knowing there is another side, like this is not the way it's going to be forever. And again, you know that, but it doesn't feel that way. So how can I feel like it's not going to be this way forever? And I think that helps by seeing other women doing other things. I don't know. 
again, I know I'm, I swear I'm not saying this because cowgirls over coffee is my thing, but like getting in a group of women, like where you can see everybody at their different places. And like, that's what I love is like getting that advice. Like, even if it's not advice you need, or you necessarily agree with, like, you're going to get something out of that that you could tweak for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. The newest question I'm adding to the end of all my podcasts, and it's probably not a good place to put it at the end because it's probably a, a question that we're going to talk about. So um, the question is, what's got you fired up right now? I want to know what's got you hot about something. Let me say this in a nice way. Like, I am sick and tired of women being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see women... thriving like I want to see and like and it's so funny because I have a hard time that's another storytelling I don't know where to come in on this because I definitely am like I talk about this some so you probably like I always say like homemaking and ambition are equally important to me like and I think we talked about that as like it being a state of mind this never settle state of mind which I think is great and so but to come from like I just see women struggling so stinking hard like everyone like women are struggling like everyone and even when people are doing well they're still in the struggle and I don't know how to fix that but I want to fix that like if I could fix something I want like I was just telling my friend Lana the other day like the world needs a mom like the world needs a mom to be like the whole world like Hey, looks like you're cranky. Let's get a snack. Maybe we should go to bed a little earlier. We're going to, you know, let's get some fresh air. Like, so the world needs a mom. And so the way I think of that is like, I just want women to not be struggling and so tired. And it makes me super angry that I can't figure out the exact solution to that. But I think that's like my life school. So that's what's got me fired up right now is how to fix the world. (laughs) I love it. Well, I saw, um, I don't know if it's on Instagram or TikTok the other day, but it was like, we need, it's time that America had a mom for president. We need a woman in here who's seen some things to walk in and be like, what the heck just happened in here? Here's what we're going to do to fix this. Now go to your rooms and (laughs) yes, exactly what you did. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And like a nice mom, like, and also like, there's such a, like the whole, that's the whole parenting thing. But I think like the, that's what, yeah, everyone needs everyone collectively, not individually. Collectively, <laughs> we need a mom to be like, okay, here's here's how it's best for you now. <laughs> yes, and you are going to eat a snack. I know you don't want you don't want to eat this, but you're going to eat it because you're going to feel better, and then everybody's in a better mood, and you're like, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I thought. Uh, or a cup of coffee. I think there's very few things that cannot be improved by a strong cup of coffee. <laughs> And I agree with that statement. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Thea. I don't want to take any more of your time, but I'm so glad we got together and discussed all of the the productivity and the solutioning and all of the things that are constantly on all of our minds, but we need to give ourselves more grace on. Um, I want to, to let people know where they can find you, follow up with you, where they can learn more about Cowgirls Over Coffee, all of the things. Um, so you can follow me, um, personally, um, on Instagram. That's my preferred platform. And I'm Thea does the things. It's Thea dot does dot the dot things because it looks better. You can read it better in text than when you're saying it out loud. And then all other things, cowgirls over coffee, cowgirlsovercoffee.com. 
that's everything we do there. What the team is working on, we have a little store with some planners and things. We're working on a holiday planner, a monthly planner. We have the fall playbook out right now. Um, that all that stuff really comes at this intersection of you know self reflection, personal development, and then productivity, accomplishment, success, that sort of thing. Um, and thank you for having me. I love this. I feel like I feel very bad because when I listen to a podcast, I really like to have like a checklist of things that I can do after that. And so I'm sorry I did not provide that for you, but I will try to um, put some more of that stuff in our content. So you can check the boxes there if you want to follow us to make up for my shortcomings here. So just rambling. I don't think it's shortcomings at all. But um, yes, I definitely highly advise following the uh, on Instagram. So much valuable content. So check there for your to-do list. I will, yes, do my best. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Thea. Thanks. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com slash guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at, at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.